All right, here to continue our Joshua series is JT Meyer. Thank you. Well, it is good to be here this morning. Coming off of a Buckeyes win is always a nice Sunday. I'm going to move on because that's a sore subject for me. Um, Hey, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my story. A lot of you are familiar with bits and pieces of it. I've shared before, and if you, if you aren't aware, I grew up a pastor's kid, really great home, had a really great relationship with Jesus. Um, but in my early 20s, like kind of post high school, uh, I kind of had a crisis of faith, walked away from the Lord. Um, I don't know if I would have said that I had walked away from the Lord, but I did. I wasn't going to church. I never prayed, never opened my Bible. I was very... Um, estranged from God. We, we, we just didn't have much of a relationship. And uh, it was a really, really awful time in my life, not just spiritually, but just everything. I, I was just kind of wandering through life, just figuring out. I, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, just, I, it felt like this just big gray blob, like I was depressed. I, it, just, it was a really awful time. And, and you know, this was a number of years, and I ended up kind of wanting to get my life back together, started going back to church, started, started really pressing in back into to Jesus, but it was still so hard. It still was a major struggle for me. I still didn't have direction. I didn't know what God wanted me to do, and I started going to this church, and there was a pastor there named Simon who who I really liked, and we, we, we got together for coffee after I had been there for a few weeks, and we just sat down, and I was telling them this, telling them, like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just feel like, I feel like I have no direction. I feel really far away from God, all of this stuff, and he stops me, and he says, I've been wanting to tell you this, you know, for the past number of weeks, since the moment I met you, and he's like, and, and all throughout this coffee, I've been wanting to tell you this, but you are a pastor, and I was like, What? That doesn't match up with what I was just telling you. You're not listening to me. And he's like, no, you're a pastor. God told me that you were supposed to be a pastor. And this, this floored me. Like this completely, you know, changed my life. This conversation I had with, with, the, with Simon just completely gave me a 180 in my life. You know, and shortly after that, like I started getting into leadership at the church and really, really started pressing into my relationship with God and things just started evolving. And within like a year and a half, I was an ordained pastor there and it was just, it was a, it would just change my life. Simon had a major influence on me and, 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 and when I look through my life, I can point to a number of conversations I can point to different people that I was friends with or had relationship with that greatly influenced me. Now, obviously, my parents, my, my, some teachers at school, some friends, but I could, I could point to people who had major influences on my life, like with music or worship leading or, or just, you know, my, my job choices, major influences. And I think if we went around the room most of us would have similar things to say. That there are people in your life that had a major influence on you. And most likely, actually, we talked about this last week, most likely it's not like, you know, some, you know, political leader or some celebrity. Most likely it was someone that you were in contact with. Like a parent, like a friend, like a teacher or a coach. We had... Uh, people who influenced our life greatly. And the truth is, is I believe that each and every one of us has that ability. Each and every one of us has the, the potential, the ability to influence people's lives. And not only the ability, but we have the responsibility to do it. It's our responsibility to influence the people around us. And so we're going to be talking about that as we continue our series of Joshua. Really, the series of Joshua is about being people of influence, that we are people of influence. I know some of you are thinking, ah, you know, I don't know if I'm a person of influence. 
you know, I, I, my, my small group leader is, or my boss is, or, or, you know, that person is, but I'm not. I'm not really. But I, I love this quote here. Listen to this. It says, you don't have to be a person of influence to be influential. In fact, the most influential people in my life are probably not aware of the things they have taught me. That's the truth. Another way of saying that is you don't have to be a person of influence to be a person of influence. We're all people of influence. We have influence whether we realize it or not. And so over the series, what we're going to talk about is what biblical influence looks like. Because whether you like it or not, you're influencing so what does biblical influence looks like? And so before we jump in, let me just pray. So Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you that you are such a wonderful and good God that, that you meet with us when we praise you. You don't have to do that, but you do. And Lord, I ask you that you would speak to us as we look at your word. In your name, amen. So remember last week, we kicked off this series on the life of Joshua, we called it A Person of Influence. Remember, we talked about how Joshua was born in adversity. He was born as a slave in Egypt, remember? He was a slave in Egypt, and actually he was one of Moses' helpers. He was an aide to Moses. And actually, Joshua was a commander of the army that, that fought against Egypt, Remember the whole story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. Joshua was one of the commanders of, of the army at that point. And remember what happened? They crossed the Red Sea and they get into the, the desert and, and they wandered around the desert for 40 years. Remember Joshua was one of those people that just wandered around the desert for 40 years waiting to go to the promised land. Remember God had promised Moses the promised land, but at 40 years, they just wandered through this desert. And we, we began to discuss how Joshua became one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Like, if you look at Joshua's leadership resume, there are very few people in the Bible that can even come close to, to how successful he was. I mean, he had military success, financial success, you know, the people loved him. And, and one thing about Joshua that's very rare when it comes to leaders, in, even in the Bible, is that he finished well. Like, he started very well, but you know, he was even more respected at the end of his life than he was even at the beginning. Joshua was a, was a, was a man of God. He was a great leader. And one of the biggest things that Joshua is known for, as we look at this series, you'll, you'll see a bunch of stories where you're like, oh, that was Joshua, that's cool. Oh, that was Joshua, that's cool. But one of the biggest things that he did, one of his biggest successes, in my opinion, is that Joshua was the person who led God's people into the promised land, out of the desert and into the promised land. And that's the story I want to look at this morning. And this story is about five chapters long, so buckle in, we're going verse by verse. That's not true. We're going we're to jump around a little bit. I'll fill in the gaps, but we're going to look at little chunks here and there. So we're going to start Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. We're going to stop for a second. So then God goes on to kind of tell him the details of how he wants him to cross into the, into the promised land and goes into a little bit more of the details about what this is going to look like. But we're going to, we're going to jump back in in verse 10 with Joshua's response, what he did. It says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your 
provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So Joshua then goes on to start dividing people into groups of different jobs, saying you guys are going to be the organizers. You guys are going to be the front line that goes first. You guys are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You guys are going to do this. And it goes into some more details. We're going to jump in the story about two chapters later in verse 3. It says, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan is at a flood stage during all the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had, complete, had completed the crossing onto dry ground. This was a momentous day in the history of God's people story we don't talk about a whole lot, but this is such an important event for God's people. And when it talks about the whole nation going through, I don't know about you, but typically in my head, I think of like, you know, a few hundred people walking through. It was like two and a half million people crossing over, wandering through the desert into the promised land. 40 years of wandering through the desert, 40 years after God delivering them out of Egypt, helping them pass through the Red Sea. After God had promised them this, this land east of the Jordan, 40 years that they, they wandered through the wilderness. Can you imagine that? 40 years. I'm 35 years old. That means that I would have been born and, and I would have had five more years to go. 40 years is a long time. I'm sure many people had forgotten the promise of God. Many people had just, had given up on it, started doubting it. I'm sure there were people who said, you know what, I got a better idea. Let's probably go this way. This is never going to happen. But Joshua was able to do something that Moses couldn't even, even do. Joshua was able to take God's people wandering through the desert, stumbling around, not knowing what their next step was, was able to take them into the promised land, the land that God promised him, the place that God wanted the people to be, the place that God intended for them to be. And you know what? I think this is the primary job of a person of influence. All of us, this is our primary job. A person of influence helps people reach their promised land. That's what we're called to do. A person of influence helps people reach their promised land. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean some place on a map when I talk about helping people reach their promised land. What I mean is God has something, a place, a a, a state of being that he's called all of us to be. God has a plan for every single person. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a call on your life. That's what I mean by their promised land. And our job as followers of Jesus is to help people get there. Help people know who they're called to be. To to know where God is calling them to go. To become the person that God has intended them to be. Just like Joshua was able to take them to the place that God had intended for them to be, we can do the same thing. You know, when I think about what I do as a pastor on a daily basis, one of the biggest things I do is I I sit down with people and I say, you know what, I think think you're called to be a small group leader. I think you should be a small group leader. You know what, I think... 
you're, you're, you know, such a compassionate person and, and you're, you, you, you know, you, you love people. You, have you ever thought about going into nursing? One of the things that, that we are called to do is help people become the person God has called them to be, to cast vision into their life, to look at someone and say, I think this is what God made you for. To invite people into God's story, to, to say, you know, you, you like the, the Israelites are, are, have been wandering around not knowing what you were made for, not knowing where you're supposed to go. But this is where God is calling you. And not only just pointing the way, but walking them there like Joshua did. Like the story I told earlier about my pastor Simon, how he was saying, you feel confused about life, but this is who God called you to be. This is the job of a person of influence. And you know, this is what Jesus really did. If we look through the story of Jesus, this is what he was constantly doing. When he would interact with someone, he would say, you know, you think that you're this. You think that you are, you know, a tax collector, or you think that you are, you know, uh, uh, you know whatever, but I've called you to be something different. I'm calling you out of your story and into my story. One of my favorite examples of this is with, with uh, there are some fishermen just fishing off a boat and God said, I know that you think this is the, the end of your story, that this is who you're supposed to be, but I actually have called you to be fisher of men. Called them to be disciples, to follow him, to join in with what he was doing. This is what Jesus was all, all about, was leading people to, to be who God created them to be. This is what I made you for. Because the truth is, is God has a plan for every single person here on planet Earth. He does. He has a story that he has written that, that every single person has an integral part to play. And we get to help people live that out. We get to help people come into their promised land. Every day we have the ability to do this. Every day to bless what God is doing in their life and, and to bless who God is calling them to be. To say, God, what are you doing in, in, in this person's life? God, what do you make this person for? Who, is, who did you make this person to be? To call them out of the, the wilderness and into the promised land. I love Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Without vision, the people perish. Without vision, the people perish. I love this. I love the message version too. The, the message says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Without vision, without knowing what God is doing in their life, people are stumbling over them like I was in my early 20s. But over a decade ago, as someone spoke into my life, cast God's vision into my life, and I, I was most blessed. Help me to enter my promised land. We get to cast vision into people's life. And it's important to know it's God's vision that we are casting in our life. God's vision, that's really important because you know what the message is in our culture. The message that we, we see all over television and most self-help books and every school and, and most of our homes, the message that the, the young people in our culture and, and you know, the, the older people, you know what we're hearing is to follow your dreams, to find your truth, that you need to do what makes you happy and that whatever you set your mind to, you can accomplish and you can be whatever you want to be. I had teachers tell me these things, and they sound nice, but they're not true. It's not true. You can't be whatever you want to be. You can't. You have limitations. I have limitations. There are things that I am not good at. And there are things that I'm not good at that if I work on, I can improve and I can get better and they might become a strength, but there are things that no matter how hard I work on, I will, it'll never be a strength. 
Like, you know, my, my dream, I want to be the point guard of the Cavs. <laughs> and when Kyrie said he was leaving, I thought, hey, I got, this is my opportunity. No, the, I will never be. I can't be whatever I want to be. I can't. And you can't be whatever you, you want to be. But that's good news. It's not bad news. The truth is the Bible never says that you should follow your dreams and do what you want to do. The Bible says that you can be who God made you to be. That you can't be whatever you want to be, but you can be who God made you to be. That there is, there is you were made intentionally. You were made with a purpose. And you can, you can, you can be that. That God has a, has, a, has a reason that he made you. Not to just go follow your dreams, but he has a purpose for you. You can't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just say you can be whoever you want to be. You should say you can be who God made you to be. God created you for a purpose that you are uniquely made. There are things that you can, you can do and you can bring to the table that no one else can. See, I, I want to bring people to their promised land that God has set out for them. Not some place that they think is going to make them happy or, or some place that they think is appealing. Remember, remember when, when the, the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea? Remember Moses, he sent out 12 spies to go into the promised land, to, to, to look around and to take a lay of the land and to determine what their next step would be. And remember, uh, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came back and they said, this is great, we can do this. This is going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but we, we can do this. Let's go. But 10 of the spies came back and said, this seems too hard. Let's not do it. It seems dangerous. This doesn't seem like the ideal situation. Let's go here instead. Joshua, from the very beginning, from the moment they crossed the Red Sea, was far more interested in getting people where God wanted them to be than where they wanted to be. Joshua was way more concerned with where God said their final destination was going to be than where people thought what would be safe or appealing or what would make them happy. Sometimes the best thing we can say to someone is, I know that this is, this is your dream. I know this is what you really want to do, but I don't think that's what God made you to do. Like, I don't think this career choice is, is, is the right thing. All these closed doors, I think, are maybe from God. And maybe you, maybe you need to change course. And sometimes we, we need to encourage and say, keep on pushing. But sometimes the best thing we can do is say, I don't think God made you for this. I think God something, has something different for you that's really good. Something that's really good for you, but it's different. Our job is to partner with God and say, say you know, what, what's, what's Joe's promised land? You know, what, what's Amy's promised land? You know, God didn't tell the Israelites, go in the desert and just figure out, go find a place. Go find out where you, what's going to make you happy. He said, no, I have a place set out for you. I have a place for you. And I want you to go there. And it's not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But I want you to go there. And we get to cast that vision to say, this is where God is taking you. And we get to do this every day in these big ways. We get to, we get to say, you are called to be this, but in, also in like just everyday ways. Just everyday simple ways. Little small things. Like we don't always have to give people, we don't always have to get people through the Jordan River into the promised land. Sometimes just helping them take a step in the right direction is, is, the, is, is such a great thing. Like saying, you are so great with people. You're really good with people. Or you're such a kind person. Or you're really good with kids. Or, or you know, you're one of the smartest people I know. Or you have such integrity. 
Like whenever we bless who God made someone to be, we are helping them move into their promised land. And sometimes we'll have these huge revelatory things like, you know, God wants you to be a missionary in Africa and pack your bags, you're leaving tomorrow. Uh, But most of the time it's not that. Rarely is it that. Most of the time it's it's, it's these these little small things. Like I think you'd make a great teacher. Or you, when, when you lead worship in our small group, you're great at it. You should, you should pursue that more. Or you know what? You're, the, you're the, like, the only honest mechanic I've ever met. Like, thank you for, for, for doing that. Or whatever. I've met a lot of honest mechanics, by the way. These things can change people's lives. Speaking these small truths. Sometimes, sometimes we will be able to say these things, like my old pastor Simon said to me, that causes us to have a huge 180. But so many times it's just helping people take a small step. We can shape, help God shape their life one step at a time. Casting vision, saying this is, the, this is where God is calling you to be. And let me just say this, sometimes people won't listen. They won't. Sometimes people will ignore you, or, or, and that's okay. That's okay. Keep, keep casting the vision. Don't give up. It took, it took Joshua 40 years. 40 years of Joshua saying, guys, let's go. So finally they listened, and they went. And I don't know. I mean, there could be a, a variety of reasons why that happened, but it took Joshua 40 years Remember, out of the Red Sea, he said, let's go. They didn't listen. Keep casting the vision, because without vision, people perish. Without vision, people perish. Joshua knew where God was taking the people. He knew, and he cast that vision. But there was also another thing that Joshua knew. Joshua knew something else. He knew that we are better together. We're better together. You know, Joshua got a taste of the promised land. He had went there 40 years before. At any point over the 40 years, he could have been like, you know what, I am out of here. I'm gonna take my, my friends and we're, we're leaving. We're going this way. You guys figure it out on your own. But he knew that God wasn't just calling him to the promised land. He was calling us to the promised land. We're better together. We are called to go to the promised land together, to to walk out this journey together, to live this life together in community. You know, the Bible does talk about our personal relationship with God, but do you know it talks about the communal relationship with God even more? About the church's relationship, about the family of God's relationship with God. We are called to be doing this together. To, to be encouraging one another, to be inspiring one another, to be challenging, to be, to be rebuking, to be, you know, all of these things together. Mentoring, discipling. But this is extremely hard for us. It's extremely hard in our culture to do it together. And, and you, know, you know what I think the major problem is? is that we are extremely self-focused people. I know I, I can be an extremely self-focused person. We're, we're very self-focused. Sometimes it's pride, right? Sometimes it's like, I need to achieve the most that I can achieve, and I'm, I need to get to my promised land, and nothing is going to get in my way. And it's all about me, you know, becoming the person that God made me to be. And I'm going to do it. Or some, sometimes it's insecurity, right? Sometimes it's, I'm never going to get there. And they're all already there and they're happy. And I just, I don't know what to do. And I'm just, I'm just always going to be here. And let me just say, both of those things, they're just two sides to the same coin. Pride and insecurity are both just being focused on self. You're so self-focused. I mean, I was talking to Michael about this the other day. I was telling him about how when I was in Bible school, 
I was taking this, this preaching class, and I was supposed to go second. And there's about four or five of us who were going to give uh, a short sermonette, and I was, I was scheduled to go second. Um, and the person who went first was phenomenal, like so good, like really, really good. And immediately, my thought wasn't, oh man, he's really good, good for him, good for him. You know what my thought was? Oh no, this is not good for me. This is going to make me look bad. Like, maybe I should say something, like have this like kind of critique that sounds like I'm lifting him up, but really is pushing him. You know, I was having all these ideas, and I was just extremely jealous. Like, how is this going to make me look that he is so good? We have this, this thought process that if, if someone else is good, that means we're bad. If someone else is doing well, that means we're not doing well. If someone else is getting promoted, we are getting demoted. If someone else is getting honored, we are getting de-honored? I don't know. If someone else is being blessed, it's like we're losing. You know, it's not a win-lose thing. We can, we can do this together. Oh, and let me just say, like, I've completely moved on from that. I don't struggle with that anymore. <laughs> That's, that is, like, about the furthest thing from the truth. You know, I've grown. I've definitely grown in that area. But these thoughts still go through my head. You know, like, you know, someone will be like, oh, Sarah's a really good worship leader. And sometimes my thought will be like, oh, I'm right here. I'm a good worship leader too, Right? Like, it's just insecurity, just pride. It's pride. And, and you know, I've grown and I, I've learned to challenge those thoughts when they come in, to not embrace them. But so often, we are far more concerned with getting to our own personal promised land than helping us get to ours. Than blessing when someone else is succeeding by saying, you are really good at that. Like, and whether it's in the church or it's in, you know, in, 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 in your office, when someone else is, you know, getting promoted or getting, like, uh, you know, the, the, the boss is saying, so-and-so did such a great job, instead of just welling up with, like, your ego feeling, well, I did, like, 50% of that work. Like, bless that. Bless that person. Because ultimately, our hope is that we, we are getting to our pro- the promised land together. And I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. That we are better together. There are things that you are good at that I'm not good at. There are things that I'm good at that you're not good at. And that we're coming from different perspectives. We're, we have different viewpoints. We, you know, we're different cultures and, and, and races and income levels and, and gift mixes. And we, we, we have different experiences. And that's good. It's good. We function together. The body calls us, the, or the Bible calls us the body of Christ. That we all serve different functions, but we serve them together. You know, like a liver is, you know, outside the body is, is not, is worthless. Unless you like eating liver, but not human liver. But, but I mean, outside the body, a liver is worthless. But inside the body, it serves a function. I don't know what that function is, but it serves it. We are called to be in this together, to, to work together, to be different together. But we are better together. And if I can bless what you're doing and who God made you to be, and if you can bless who God made me to be and we are encouraging one another, we're, we're gonna get there faster. You know what I mean? We're gonna be in better shape if we're blessing each other. And Joshua understood this. Joshua didn't say, no, you don't do that, I'll do this. I'll do it, I'll take care of that, I'll hold the ark. No, you don't do that, I'll be the one who's, who's leading first. Like he, he, he was like... Giving out responsibility, important things, saying, this is who God wants you to be. You are, you are this, and you are this, and, and we aren't going to be able to cross the Jordan if I'm trying to do everything. We need to do this together. We're better together. He wasn't like, see you later, I'm out of here, I'm going by myself. 
We're better together. Joshua understood it. And we need to understand that as people of influence. You know, I have a practice that I do now that when that, that feeling enters in, when I feel like that jealousy or that, that judgment or that critical nature, the criticism, I have a thing that I try to do is that if someone is doing something that, I, that thing wells up inside of me, I go to that person, I encourage them. I say, you are, you're a really good worship leader and I really admire the way you do that. Or, you know, it, you, like, whatever it is, like encouraging that person that you feel that jealousy for and that will help fight that feeling. Because that feeling is a cancer. It will, it will spread. It will spread. And it's not from the Lord. True people of influence, like Joshua, cast vision. Say, this is where we're going. This is who God made you to be. This is what God made you for. Help people enter their, their promised land. But this is, this is so important to know that the vision that Joshua shared with people, it wasn't his own vision. It wasn't that Joshua was a really smart guy. It wasn't that he was just an ideas man and people liked to listen to him. It was Joshua responded to what he heard the Lord say. That's all that Joshua did. He heard the Lord speak to him and he repeated it to the people. Our job as people of influence is to be listening to the Lord. Lord, what have you called this person to be? And then sharing that. To, to share out of overflow of what God has given us. To just give that away. I love Matthew 10.8. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. That when we receive vision from the Lord, when we receive gifts from the Lord, when we receive from the Lord, we give it away. Casting vision, taking people into the promised land, it comes out of relationship with God. Doesn't everything? All good things come from the Lord. He was listening to God and responding. That's what, what we are called to do. It always comes back to relationship. Everything that God is calling us to do to, in this journey, everything that God is expecting out of us, he is the one who provides the strength to do it. Even faith, faith is a gift from the Lord. God is the one who gives and we respond. Always comes first. Relationship always comes first. But we are called to be casting vision, helping people enter in their promised land, and we're called to do it together. But here's how I want to end. You know, the, 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 the interesting thing is the Israelites, when they entered in the promised land, that wasn't the end of the story. The story goes on, and, and, and if you read on in the story, you'll see that after they entered into the promised land, they still had a lot of troubles. That they still had a lot of hardships. That they still had disease. They still had war. They still had sin. They still had death. It was turmoil in the promised land. And that's because Joshua really couldn't lead these people into the real promised land. See, Joshua was just a picture Joshua is just a, a foreshadow of someone who is to come who is much greater than Joshua. A much greater person of influence than Joshua could ever be. One who, who not only wanted to deliver people out of, of, of the bondage of slavery in Egypt and out of the wilderness of, 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 of the Middle East and end through the Jordan River and into freedom in the promised land, but wanted to, to, to deliver them from the greatest bondage, the bondage of sin. Wanted to, to bring clarity in the wandering in the wilderness, not just in a physical wilderness, but the wilderness of our hearts and our lives where we, we don't know what we're called to do. We don't know who we're supposed to be. One who is called to bring us purpose and to, to deliver us through, through a greater barrier, way greater than the, the, the Jordan River, but into a, the barrier of sin that has divided us from, from God. And into the promised land, which, which is relationship with him. 
purpose, identity, love, connection with with the almighty God who created us to, to love him and to be loved by him. See, Jesus is the true and better Joshua. Jesus is the true and better Joshua. Do you know that Jesus' name, Jesus is Greek for Joshua. Jesus' name was Yeshua, Joshua. See, see Joshua, in the, he, was, he was just a picture of what Jesus came to do. If you read Hebrews 4, we'll probably go over this later, but it says that, that Jesus came to do things that Joshua could never do. He didn't come to just save us from Egypt. He didn't come to just take us out of the, the, the physical wilderness. He didn't come to just bring us into a physical spot of land. He came to deliver us from the greatest evil, sin and death, and into the promised land of love and relationship with the Father. And it took the cross to do it. It took Jesus dying on a cross to pay for our sins that have separated us from, from God. See, God made you for a purpose. God made you intentionally. He has things that he's, he wants you to do, that he wants you to be the best version of you that you can be. And he made, he made you to be in relationship with you, to love you, and to, to be loved by you, to know you. And to be, to be known. Do you know that God is a God that can be known? He wants you to know him. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to, to invite you into the most beautiful and intimate relationship ever in the world. But he lost you. He lost you because of sin. Your sin, the sins of the world, have driven a wedge, again, way greater than the Jordan River. And that the only, the only leader, the only person who can deliver us to bring us through that, that divide is Jesus. And he is inviting you into that today. So I know for a fact there are people here this morning who have never entered into that relationship with him who have never said, Jesus, I, I want to I leave my story and be a part of your story. And some of you would say that I, you still feel in, bond, in bondage, like they didn't need you. Some of you would say, I feel like I'm just wandering through the desert. My life. But Jesus wants to call you today into the promised land. So here's what I want to do. Can we bow our heads? I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would, if you've, never, if you've never prayed this prayer or entered into that relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. And it's simple. It's a really simple thing. And it's not, it's not you know, I'm just going to pray it. Jesus, I know that there's a wedge between me and you. I know that I've sinned. I know that there are things that keep me away from you. And Lord, I want to leave, I, I, I know that my story is, is, is not what I'm called to do. I want to be a part of your story. So today, Lord, I want, to, I want to just accept what you did on the cross. You've delivered me from my sins and saved me not just from something, but to something. Relationship with you, intimacy with you, and I want that. So, so I accept that today, Jesus. Just with our heads bowed, if you said that prayer with me, can you just raise your hand? Just raise it up high. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, guys. Bless you. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Bless you. Bless you. You can put your head down. Okay, why don't we, why don't we stand? You know, one, one of my favorite things about this whole, this whole story is that how, how Joshua just listened to the Lord and responded when the Lord spoke. Jo- Joshua was a man who, he, he was responsive to the Lord. 
That's, that's another thing that, that, that people of influence need to be. They need to be people who respond to the Lord. And so there are people here today, and, and you may consider yourself a Christian, you may not consider yourself a Christian, but you feel like you are kind of in a desert right now. You feel like you've been wandering, that you don't know what you were made for, you don't know what you're supposed to do in your life, and God wants to, to, to give vision this morning. He wants to start speaking those words, whispering in your ear, this is who I made you to be. So we're going to sing another worship song. And if that's you, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. So just say, Lord, I I want to hear your vision for my life. And I also believe there are people here who are in in real bondage to, to sin, to addiction, to... You know, all kinds of things, spiritual things. But I also think there are people here who are, or, who are afflicted with physical pain. That there's, there's, you just wake up and you, you, feel, you feel like pain in your joints or you have, you have disease or you have sickness. And the Lord, I think, wants to pour out healing this morning. He wants to heal. So if you want to start making your way forward, and we have, an, we have another word too, but just start making your way forward to receive prayer. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I have never done this before, so bear with me. Um, Just as JT was starting to teach, I saw a picture of a skeleton. It's kind of like those old cartoons, it's kind of hunched over, and it collapsed into a heap, and then it rose again, and another skeleton rose up behind it, and then that second skeleton collapsed into a heap of bones, and then it rose, and a third skeleton rose, and so on and so forth. And I was like, what does that mean, God? And then they were all walking forward, and I saw Jesus at the front of the line, breathing his breath onto them, and they had flesh and um, life, and they stood up straighter. And um, I just felt like God was saying that we're all broken, and when we feel like we collapse into a pile of heap of dry bones, he will use that. Um, He'll use us to point others to him, and he will breathe his life onto us and all of us. And I just wanted to read Ezekiel 37, 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yeah, that's good. So I think that... Uh, applies to a lot of us. So if you, if you need prayer this morning, if you, if you want to respond to God, to, and you, if you need vision in your life, if you need healing, if you're, if you're struggling with something, let's not miss this opportunity that we are people that believe that God is here and he wants to deliver us. So start making your way forward here this morning. And as people come forward, if we just want to no, just ask the church as, as God's people just to pray for them. And remember, as we're praying for them, we're not giving our advice. We're not giving our vision. We're not giving our thoughts. We are listening to the Lord and speaking that over them. the only one who could ever see
us up this morning. Lord, we know that, that we can't do these things without you. And we need your presence in our life. We need your power in us. We need your love, Lord. We need your compassion. We need your strength, your wisdom. Fill us up with those things, Lord. Fill us up with your strength, Lord. Lord, we just say we want to glorify you in this church. We want you to be lifted up high. We want you to be glorified through our lives by the way we live, Lord. Lord, we pray that we could be, just as you call, we, we, we could be salt and light to this world. That we could be people that, that impact our communities, impact this world in, in ways that make people more like you. That we would be a light on a hill place of hope. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified through this church, that you'd be glorified through our lives. We lift you up, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. Praise you. Amen. I just want to encourage you to keep getting prayer if you're getting prayer. You don't have to stop. Um, and also, as you're leaving, please be generous drop some money off in the, in the boxes for the Florida hurricane relief. Again, we don't see a dime from that. That all gets sent to, to Florida. And, and as you leave, you can sign up for any of those classes or events in the lobby. But bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.